0: Welcome, folks, to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagio Jimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and beware there will be spoilers for this episode, as there pretty much are for every episode I do of the Ronin Rabbit. Now, to get in touch, you can tweet me at Teal Productions. T E A L is the way I spell Teal. The Usagio Jimbo and Usagio Jimbo Dojo Facebook pages are where I post the episodes when they go live. BigTimeNoise.com slash Rabbit is the website if you want to leave comments there, as uh, someone did that I'll get to here shortly. And UsagiPodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Now, in reference to episode 147, wherein I talked about Usagi Ujimbo Volume 3, Issue 49, uh, dated 1996. Stan Sakai writes in to tell us, Great synopsis. Thank you. A little background about how this story came about. This issue owes much to cartoonist Scott Shaw. Scott, besides being a terrific artist, does slideshow presentations, usually at conventions titled Oddball Comics. He has a whole section of Fish in the Face comic book covers. You'd be surprised how many there really are. I wanted to be included in it, so I came up with this cover design. That is Scott as the lead bandit in the Aloha shirt kimono in the fishmonger story. If you have the opportunity to see Scott's presentation, do so. They are hilarious, Mr. Sakai Finishes. Well, thank you, Stan. Um, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the fact that you listen to my podcast in that uh, you are, of course, the creator and uh, shepherd for Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, That's cool that you listen to my show, and even cooler that you listen and feel inclined to leave feedback. Thank you very, very much. Now, this issue we're going to talk about is Volume 3, Number 51 from Dark Horse Comics, cover dated August 2001. I said 1996 just now for Issue 49. That can't possibly be right. I think that's when the volume started, is what I did. The Shrouded Moon, Part 2. Uh, Is this, and it's the final part of the Shrouded Moon story. Now, if you want to find this uh, story reprinted, it is included in the Usagi Ojimbo Book 16 trade paperback entitled The Shrouded Moon and in the Usagi Yojimbo Saga book 3 are the places for reprinting of this among perhaps there are other places i'm not sure i got this information from the much vaunted and uh, bandied about Usagi Yojimbo stories google doc Uh, which is an excellent resource for tracking when things have been reprinted. What, you know, what edition, what volume, what book. Uh, If I can't get the single issue, which I'm always a fan of getting anyways, can I find the stories? Myself, I have all of the single issues and I have the uh, trade, uh, the, the softback saga books. So, okay. This is, of course, created, written, and illustrated by Mr. Sakai. The front cover colors were done by Tom Luth. The back cover colors were by Jason Vam, I believe, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that. If I have, please just correct me and I'll, I'll make the correction. And the publication design, which I haven't mentioned, but I have personally become a fan of recognizing designers... Publication designed by Kerry Grisini. A little hard to read because it's vertically lettered here on the inside front cover. And I don't know if there are various versions, but my inside front cover of this issue has what looks to be Usagi in his <laughs> Green Evil visage, uh, which we will find here a little bit later on in this story. Okay, now, fine. The story opens. Gen is uh, walking around. I like how he casually walks around with the the sword held on his shoulder, just kind of thrown over his shoulder. No fear, just very self-assured, very confident. Uh, I like that about him. Uh, Looking around for Usagi, um, goes to the part of town where they had agreed to meet. And, of course, if you read, listened to last episode issue, uh, Usagi's not there. He kind of couldn't make it. So Gen starts sniffing around and sees one of uh, Boss Sohaku's men here uh, laying in the street, dead, dying, dead, whichever. Uh, now he doesn't necessarily know. I don't believe it's Boss Sohaku. Um, the mon on the outfit that he has on doesn't doesn't necessarily match all of the others. So, um, but he sees, you know, it's it's definitely enough to wonder. Well, what what the heck's going on here? Let me. Let me dig around a little further. Uh, Plus, he thinks to himself that uh, Usagi always seems to find trouble. It's drawn to him, so, you know, I I bet this has something to do with him. He'll, He'll be around here somewhere. So he goes sniffing, digging around, goes inside. The dye shop sees that it's been absolutely trashed on the inside. And as he's kind of poking around, he hears a noise and uncovers Usagi. Uh, again, if you remember last issue slash episode, Usagi got into a, a fight there in the dye shop, and there was a, a second story, uh, so to speak. There was a an upper level of storage, and during the fight, the supports for that upper level were taken out, and that upper level, which was barrels of dye mainly, it looked like, uh, fell down, and Usagi was the side of the fight that was beneath that. So he was entrapped, entombed uh crushed whatever you know but he he wasn't it wasn't bad enough to dispatch him of course cuz this is issue 51 and we still have another good what 100 issues of this volume and 20 some of the fourth one so we we know he's still around obviously um the plus we do know that he lived long enough to have offspring uh because we have the cartoon coming up which as i sit and record this i just watched the first couple episodes of that as well um, I'm not going to be talking about it. M- moving media is not my shtick. Um, it's not, I, I consume it, but I, I don't want to talk about it. There'll be plenty, plenty of people out there talking about it as it is. So I apologize if you wanted my impressions. Um, just keep your eyes open out there, and there'll be plenty of people more than willing to give you their impressions. So, Usagi, uh, as he's crawling out here again, uh, has lev- leveraged him out from under the the weight of the things. The divets dive took most of the weight. I'm bruised, but not but no bones are broken. He says as he's digging out. And uh, Gen makes the uh, observation that Usagi is green, and so he must have been under. Uh, under or the majority of the vats uh, in the upper story were green, and so now it's it's dyed his fur green. So that uh, between the between that and the fact that he looks very disheveled, right, having been uh, rescued from being buried alive, and he's just got this this look that he describes as. Uh, that scum could be hurting a friend of mine as being the justification for why, as again describes it, what turned you into such a tiger? So we've got this uh, visage, we've got the, uh, or visage, I'm sorry, however it's pronounced, I pronounce it visage, um, and the, the dishevelment and the, the scruffy lookingness, kind of like a nerf herder, he looks like a, a scruffy, yeah, never mind, and the fact that he's green, which I, I do miss that in that this is a black and white comic. If the the color reprints go this, this far, I'll be interested to see. Uh, here, Tom did a green Usagi on the cover, so you kind of can get the image of him. To me, this green here um, kind of makes him look like that green that will be used when people get... Seasick or motion sickness, you know, the they often are turned green to denote that they're sick. That's kind of the, the, the pallor, the palette uh, that was used here. So it's not, I don't know, it's not quite as impressive a green, I don't think, as I had imagined. But you get a possibility of it here from Mr. Luth, uh, his interpretation, or perhaps his and Stan's interpretation uh, on the cover. So Gen and Usagi head off. Um, we cut now to Boss Sohaku's men. Uh, who have Kitsune in tow. They're taking her back to uh, torture her, essentially. Or maybe not essentially, but flat out. To torture her to get information. And there's two, four, six of his uh, underlings and the boss himself. And Kitsune gets the better, uh, better of a couple, um, runs off, and the largest of the retinue with him, who actually, well, no, not the largest, because he stays. But one much larger than uh, Kitsune, chases after her and stuns her with his sword. He catches up to her and and gives her the butt end of the sword. And then to finish it off, uh, Boss Sohaku comes up and kicks her in the face to knock her out. And he's he's all very proud of himself. Um, She won't give you any more trouble. Carry her back. you let one woman almost get the better of you, bah! Some gangsters you are. So he's, he's talking some smack, um, and is, uh, is over himself enough that he can kick her in the face and show everybody what it takes to subdue the one girl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he is being written in such a way though that uh, you can tell his his passing. Which I'm sure is going to happen, uh, is not going to be an easy or gentle one, um, and I have long ago made that connection between the the evil in 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 media, uh, particularly a visual media. The evilness of the antagonist is directly proportional to the pain or gruesomeness of the death uh, that ensues at the end of the story. There's a there's a one to one correlation between those. So he gathers up his men, gathers up Kitsune. Um, it's funny, in, in getting away, one of the uh, one of the men took a rather vicious Kitsune kick here to the yambags, and uh, he's, he's, he's showing the effects. Um, thank you, Taz, on AEW, for the term yambag. I'm, I'm quite fond of that. As they're walking back to the uh, compound, Boss Sohaku notes that there's a shroud over the moon. A yo the time for haunts. I must light candles and incense to protect me from evil spirits. So, boss is, is very superstitious. Excuse me, very superstitious, um, and that is what has led up to all of this. Is that uh, Kitsune has stolen a uh, a totem, I guess uh, that is intended to, or at least that boss believes wards off evil spirits. And being very very suspicious, being at the the pinnacle of the uh, control of the gangs of this town he wants to do everything he can do to, uh, to secure his position so uh, having a magical totem that imbues him either with good luck or at the very least protects him from bad luck is something that he's all about in in uh, by by way of his being superstitious and his more uh mortal desires shall we say so they get back to the compound and there's some back and forth between the boss and his uh, number one Chobai. And eh, we'll kind of find out at the end of the story why Chobai seems a little bit uh, no let me, no let me. And, you know, th- th- those of us that have watched enough um, media, that, that kind of piques your ears because it's like, well, well, why? Why do you so badly want to take over for the boss to do this, uh, this particular job or chore or whatever? We'll find out here by the end of the story what, what, his, what his deal is. Cut back to Gen and Usagi who are uh, just prattling back and forth about things as they're getting closer and closer to boss's compound. They make it there. Uh, Kitsune gave Gen for safekeeping the little ivory totem. And I would tell you what it was. Hang on a minute here. Let me do this. My talisman. It doesn't say, but it's in the shape of something. In the shape of a crab. I'm sorry. That's what it is. Um, to, To hold for safekeeping. The talisman, the crab talisman. Uh, so, Gen has it. So, all of these guys and the boss have Kitsune, and she doesn't even have it on her. Gen has it. Well, Usagi says, Here, give it to me, and we'll use it as a bargaining chip. So, with that in mind, they step out into the courtyard, into the outer, and they step out of their uh, hiding place, out of the shadows, into the area in front of the gate. To the boss's compound and they indicate they want to parlay but the word has already been given to kill gen and usaki on sight and so they're just attacked battle ensues. cut inside we see the boss um, and kitsune um, she is tied up and suspended uh, ripe for torture as you will he grabs her very distinctly by the throat as he is demanding information. But his um, his questioning of her is interrupted by a guard running in saying, Boss, we're being attacked. And as he turns uh, back into the hallway, because he has just stepped through the door to tell the boss this, as he steps back out towards the hallway and looks down the hallway in the direction of, of the, the tussle, he yells out, Boss, get out of here. Get out. And then he is uh, dispatched In walks our very, I'm sure to them, nasty looking Usagi. Again, very mean, very aggressive, very motivated, uh, greenish and very disheveled and and, um, just beaten and haggard and what will you. So he steps up and demands uh, Kitsune's release by the boss. Boss says no. Usagi charges in. Of course, some of the boss's men step in the way. Uh, Chobai is off to the side watching. Um, Yeah, watching. Boss runs out. Um, Kitsune yells out, Usagi, you're alive. You are, aren't you? Because boss had told her in the, the course of events to just kind of wear her down that Usagi was dead, that he had seen him die. So Boss runs out, and interestingly enough, Chobai leaves also. Um, I don't know if he leaves the same way or another door, but he does leave the room. Uh, Usagi has dispatched all of the men in the room, and Gen now follows up. Usagi tells Gen to release Kitsune. Usagi continues after Boss. Uh, The Boss runs out into what I presume is probably the inner courtyard of if not this portion of the castle, the castle itself, the the fortress itself. And as he runs out screaming, help, help, there are two, four, six, seven of his uh, retinue there. So they all immediately attack Usagi, of course, while the boss continues running across the courtyard. Two, four, six, seven. Yeah, so there's seven. And the boss is running somewhere uh we don't necessarily know other than just away. and as he's running away he indicates he he thinks to himself they have no hope of stopping agaki and that is hungry ghost and i i assume i didn't dig deeply enough in it unfortunately sorry now that i think about it Uh, i presume assume that hungry uh is along the lines of of avenge vengeful uh they they want their pound of flesh and so they're hungry for it uh boss runs into the um, i, I don 't know what you call it this is where his incense are that he burns to ward off evil spirits so i don 't know if if that 's all that this particular room does or, or if it's more uh, a religious setup type room for whatever religion that he follows but he is here where he he performs his rituals to ward off the evil spirits so he 's going to light incense uh, there is a pot full of sand here that incense sticks are embedded into so that they stand up uh, upright. And then he lights them. Uh, In his fear and trepidation, uh, turning to see what's going on and just trying to keep up with what's going on outside, he knocks that pot over. And so he has to uh, fill it back with sand. He has to put the incense back in there. He has to light them all again. And in the process, his crab talisman bounces across the floor near him. Recognizing it immediately, uh, Boss Sohaku just dives on it. My talisman, you're back, he exclaims. And as he's talking to the talisman as though it's a living thing, um, he doesn't realize that Usagi is waiting for him. So he turns, and there is probably the most evil-looking Usagi that I have seen. Um, it reminds me of that one image, and I'm not sure where it's from, but it's it's been used on, uh, on T-shirts. I believe, I believe that's Usagi that I remember. Anyways, very, very evil-looking Usagi here. And the boss says, you again. This time I'm ready for you. Stay back. Stay back, I say. And he's he's shaking his little crab talisman at Usagi. And Usagi continues to advance. Boss is relying on the power of the talisman. Usagi advances back and forth, back and forth for several panels until we finally get that Boss is realizing that it's not working and he's, he's talking to it and he turns and talks to Usagi. And in the midst of all this tension and fear and anger and all of these extreme emotions, Boss suffers a heart attack. And he croaks and and makes noises and collapses. And what, and finally we have our uh, requisite death head uh, here showing that he has died. As Usagi bends down, uh, probably to... Ensure uh, that Boss is dead. He thinks to himself, "I can't honestly say I'm sorry he died in agony. He was one of the most evil persons I have ever met." And it's funny that he would say that in in Lou, not in Lou, but paired with the fact that, as I said to me, um, the way Usagi looks in this particular series of pages and panels is is the most evil that I've ever seen him. That I can remember seeing him look. So. I guess it's it's kind of evil begets evil, or in order to defeat evil, you you have to turn, or you may turn evil, or so. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a uh, potentially, if not specifically from uh, uh, Mr. Sakai, but in literature, there's a you know there's some kind of formulae that's going on there. Um, I'm not uh, well read enough, or perhaps even smart enough to really get those. I mean, I, I see something. But I don't necessarily know if you know if it is there or if what I'm seeing is in my head. And I am uh, putting myself in that story rather than actually reading the story. But nonetheless, Gen and Kitsune catch up with Usagi. They see that the boss is dead. Uh, right behind them, though, is the rest of boss's retinue, including Chobai. As they press in and are going to dispatch Gen... And uh, Kitsune and Usagi. Chobai raises his hand, uh, yells out, Stop, sheathe all of your swords. You heard me withdraw all of you. You three come with me. So they all step aside and they start talking. Turns out that Chobai was Kitsune's in-su- inside man that gave her the information she needed to steal the crab to begin with. He he wanted it stolen because he says, Bosohaku, was a mean evil man and he was draining the town and what you know yes he was a bad guy but he was being a bad guy in the wrong way and chobai is going to be a bad guy in the right way so um convinces them to leave things in his hand because you're not going to be able to get rid of the me's in the world the bad guys but at least you can leave knowing that I am not going to be as bad as this dude you just got rid of. So it's it's a lesser of two evils, if you will. And basically, he tells them, or you know, we can just take care of you guys now. whichever. And it's not a threat, but it's just he's a bad guy, and that's so. They uh, they parlay with him, and they come to the agreement and leave. And as they're leaving, Kitsune gives him the crab uh, totem. And he says as they're leaving, such a little thing, but yes, I can truly feel its power. Now, does he mean that literally, that he believes that also? Or is that more a figurative, the entire story, everything that happened, him rising in the ranks now and being in charge because of this totem? Is that what he's referring to? Or both? Um, we don't really know, but I, I, I definitely caught that and thought that that was interesting. Uh as superstitious as boss uh, Sohaku was. And here Chobai alludes to being superstitious as well. So we, we're not really sure. So the final, uh, what, final two pages here are Usagi, Kitsune, and uh, Genesuke walking down, deciding what they're going to do and who's going to do what and where they're going to go. Um, Kitsune offers to split up the... Reward which Chobai gave them as part of, you know, I don't know if that was the agreement that he had initially with her or he used it as a means to essentially pay them off so they would go and leave him alone. Either way, she's got much more money than she started this story with. She's willing to split it. Uh, Genosuke is like, oh yeah, I'm all about that. Let's, you know, let's split this puppy up. And Isagi thinks, no, you know, I'm, I'm not in it for the money. I don't do it for that. But then he recants and says, well, then again, I guess I did earn some of the money. I even died, D-Y-E-D, for it died for it. Uh, Which reminds me, when Gen first rescues Usagi and is trying to uh, get used to the fact that Usagi is green, Usagi is, is again, as I've said many times, appearing very evil. And in one particular panel, he's kind of grinning about his plan. And Genosuke tells him to stop grinning. He looks like some kind of joker or something, uh, alluding to, I would imagine, another character for another book. But that was... that was... Cool. Um, so they yeah, ultimately go their separate ways. Uh, Usagi does take a little bit of the money. Um, he's going to continue uh, essentially I think east um, in his travels because he says he has an appointment at Kittenoji Temple in a few weeks. Uh, Kitsune decides she's going to keep moving west with uh, with her, Genosuke with her so they split up um, and Essentially, that's the end of the story. Inside of the front cover is a black-and-white drawing of the Maki, Guy Davis's character published from Oni Press, along with Usagi Yojimbo. And it appears that Usagi has gotten the better of the Maquis because there's a death's head above him. But full-page drawing by Guy Davis. On the back is a uh, just a figure drawing of uh, Kitsune, colored by Mr. Lutz. She's yeah. She's much as she appeared on the cover and inside, as far as her uh, robe and the decorating on it. All right, so there we go. Oborozuke um, yo, the shroud-covered moon was given to us. Gake, the hungry ghost, um, as as I have found it de- defined. Now, if there are different definitions, which there may well be, um, and I don't mean to slight you know anyone or anything's definition. These are just what I find. So, I give them to you guys just for a little bit of uh, uh, context. Now, I do want to read you something here that is in the Volume 3 Saga book. In relation to this story, there are uh, story notes in the back of this from Mr. Sakai. And for the shrouded moon, he tells us, crabs or kani have, been both, have both good and bad connotations in Japanese tradition. According to legend, crabs once appeared at a seaside village which had never seen any such creature before. The villagers thought they surely must be supernatural creatures, so they caught the crabs and hung them over their doorways to keep themselves from being harmed. That night, the evil spirit of the village descended on them, but upon seeing the strange creatures, became afraid and left the area. Dried crab shells became a protection against evil. So there is why uh, the boss is so superstitious about the, the crab total. On the other hand, crabs have always looked or have always been looked upon with malice. Their sideways walking was compared to the twisted dealings of deceitful people. Western script was referred to as crab writing because it is written horizontally. The Buddhist tradition looked upon the crab's hibernation as a metaphor for the period of rest between one's reincarnation. A crab on a lotus flower or pod is a decidedly Buddhist symbol. Two remarkable Japanese crabs are the giant crab of Hokkaido, whose body width can measure 50 centimeters, and the tiny haikigani, with the faces of defeated warriors embossed on its shell. Uh, So... There's a little bit more for you uh, you crab aficionados out there. Next episode, I'll be taking a look at volume 4, issue number 14 of Usagi Ujimbo from IDW, cover dated October 2020. And with that, I will end this, the 151st episode of the show. Thanks for listening in, folks. Talk to you next month. Ciao.